Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode number 208 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And we are back in business here at the Draft Analyst, just in time for the second half of the college football season. First half, obviously behind us, with the Georgia defense that we praised in the preseason on a truly historic pace, while arguably the top two quarterback prospects entering the year have seen their stocks drop in just under two months of play. Add in the recent coaching turnover going on at Washington State. And really, you've got just as many storylines as we always do this season, if not even more. Tony, how's it going on your end? Yeah, it's been interesting. And to add to that, as Chris and I uh, come back to the Believe Network this week, you know, will the Miami Dolphins have a new quarterback real soon? Because two is falling flat on his face. And there's all kinds of rumors out there that Deshaun Watson could be on his way to uh, to the Miami Dolphins. So interesting year. Uh, I, I think w- the fact that uh, it's been such a horrible year at the quarterback, at the top of the quarterback position for the 2022 draft, we may see uh, more trades than usual at the position. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Iowa, number two in the, in the nation at one point in time, they lose a bad game to Purdue, a team we'll talk about tonight. Cincinnati has been playing lights out. Oklahoma is barely holding on to a top four spot to get in the college playoffs. You know, Alabama had the bump in the road against Texas A&M like they did a couple of years ago. So it's been interesting all the way around. We will get into this week's show in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. We are back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season, along with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, MLB postseason, NHL, boxing, and even UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And now it's time, speaking of the game starting, to look ahead to week eight of the college football season. We'll be breaking down several matchups between 2022 NFL draft prospects that could have an impact on their respective draft stocks. And we're going to start with a matchup in the Big Ten, as Tony alluded to before. Wisconsin's won two straight after a one and three start. And the Badgers will host Purdue, which just topped into the top 25 after that upset of number two, Iowa. Now the Badgers 0-3 against ranked teams this season. But kind of all that team stuff aside, there are several interesting matchups between the Wisconsin offense and the Purdue defense. Tight end Jake Ferguson, Leads Wisconsin with 20 catches this season. Passing game as a whole has really been quite poor. Big reason that the Badgers have struggled. Graham Mertz has thrown just two touchdowns all year in six games. But Ferguson, still an interesting prospect, really has been since he broke out 
as a freshman. He's going to see a lot of a pair of Jalen's for Purdue. Linebackers Jalen Alexander and Jalen Graham, both good athletes who can cover in addition to playing the run. Four pass breakups for Alexander this year, five for Graham. Both will likely have an athletic advantage on Ferguson, although really he's no slouch when it comes to going up the scene either, just not elite athletically. It's going to be interesting to see how he's able to work himself open against this pair. And if he gets the ball, once he's able to work himself open, considering the issues that Wisconsin has had during the football. Speaking of those issues, Mertz is going to need some time to throw. So right tackle Logan Bruss and left tackle Tyler Beach, they're going to have to do a real nice job keeping George Karlaftis away from their quarterback. Because Karlaftis, 21 tackles, five and a half for loss, three sacks in six games. It's put a lot of good play on film, especially last week against Iowa. Only one tackle, but still extremely athletic guy we talked about before the season as somebody that many people really weren't talking about, but a player that did have first round potential. And he's absolutely shown it at times this year. Now, Brusson Beach, they're good players, but they're not first rounders. So Karlaftis would really do well for himself to use his athletic advantage to have a big game here. What are you looking forward to most about these matchups, Tony? Yeah, if Wisconsin's able to uh, double-team Carl Laftis, or, or if they actually do double-team Carl Laftis, I, I think the situation with Carl Laftis now is he's going to enter the draft, and the question is not whether or not he's going to be a first-round selection, rather how high in the first round he's going to go. If you watched him this year, he's actually been a, a terrific player. The only one that really was able to control him was Daniel Falele, the big, huge right tackle from Minnesota. Uh, and he was, once he got his hands on Carl Leftis, Carl Leftis had difficulty getting uh, off him. When Carl Leftis moved to the left side, Minnesota was constantly double teaming him. Now, Carl Leftis is a big, strong, athletic uh, type of linebacker. He's sort of like Zaven Collins was last year, a big guy who can rush the edge, stands over tackle, occasionally comes out of a three-point stance, has enough ability to drop off the line and play in coverage Although, unlike Zayvon Collins, who was often used in space last year, Karlaftis is primarily used up at the line and asked to force the action, which he does very well. Uh, he has a definite athletic advantage over Tyler Beach and Logan Bruss. I think Tyler Beach is playing relatively well. He's someone who I had on my radar since his sophomore season. Logan Bruss, there are some scouts who grade him as draftable. I'm not as high on him as, as a lot of other uh, teams are. I mean, he's your typical... Uh, uh, Wisconsin offensive lineman. He's big, he's strong, but he's not very mobile. Incredibly smart, Logan Bruss. I mean, a guy who has a great feel for uh, for the position. I think he's a late round selection. He's one of those Wisconsin offensive linemen who plays tackle, but maybe pushed inside because he doesn't have great range. Beach, I have as a priority free agent. Carl Aftis, I mean, he could go top 15. He's having that kind of year. You mentioned the, the game against Iowa, but he's been good all season. Absolutely destroyed uh, UConn, which is no big deal because everyone seems to uh, destroy UConn, although UConn does have a good tackle prospect. Getting back to Jake Ferguson, you know, it was surprising that Ferguson did not enter last year's draft considering the weakness at the tight end position. You look at the 2022 draft, the tight end could possibly be the strongest position uh, of the entire event, which I think is going to hurt Ferguson. You know, he's fast, but he's not super fast. He's strong, but he's not a dominant blocker. He does everything very, very well, uh, which is why I think he's going to still be a, a day two selection. The Purdue linebackers, I absolutely love. 
Uh, Jalen Alexander was a riser two weeks ago in my column uh, at Pro Football Network. Jalen Graham, an underclassman, is an undersized run and chase linebacker. Uh, it's going to be a good matchup because Graham has the athleticism uh, to stay uh, downfield with Ferguson. He's going to be outmatched by uh, because of the size. But Jalen Alexander, if uh, Ferguson comes across the middle, uh, is no uh, stranger to really laying his shoulder pads and really working to take uh, Alexander or separate Alexander from the uh, from the ball. We'll see. This should be a good game, as you said. You know, Mertz I think has been a bit disappointing this year for uh, Wisconsin. So we'll see if, if Purdue can pull off another upset for the second week in a row. Now we'll head to the Big 12 for our next look ahead. We're stud running back prospect Brees Hall and the Cyclones offense host 6-0 Oklahoma State and its defense that allows fewer than 20 points per game. Really not Oklahoma State's forte normally, but this year been very strong. And they've been led by leading tackler Malcolm Rodriguez, who is a small guy, but he is all over the field. 61 tackles, five and a half for loss in six games. Him and safety Colby Harvell Peel, both third-day prospects. They're going to have to play key roles to slow down this Iowa State offense. Now, Hall is the workhorse that everybody knows about. 900 total yards this season. Great size and athletic ability. Excellent receiver out of the backfield. So really, he's going to see a lot of Malcolm Rodriguez in every aspect of the game. It's going to be a big test for Rodriguez to see what he's able to do to even try to contain Hall. Tight ends Charlie Colaire and Chase Allen are also going to see a lot of Rodriguez. Colaire is the bigger receiving threat and the better NFL prospect, but Allen is a late rounder in his own right. Colaire has 21 catches, 279 yards, and two scores this year. Allen's got 10 catches, but both of them have big weight advantages on Rodriguez as blockers in the run game. But watch how well they're able to separate against Rodriguez and Harvell Peel as receivers especially Kolar, who, despite being one of the top tight end prospects in this draft, he's not quite that top-level athlete, but he's a guy who always finds ways to get open at every level of the field. Tony, break down this matchup for us. Yeah, Rodriguez is your typical safety-sized linebacker, which is what we see in college these days, oftentimes. I think he's going to be a real good safety, a strong safety at the next level. I think he's going to be a late round choice. He's been a very good player, as you mentioned, for a couple of years, someone that we spoke about over the summer. He's physical, he's explosive, but as you mentioned, you know, it's a size disadvantage or he's overmatched by some of those tight ends that he goes up against. Kolar, I mean, there are a lot of scouts who like him as a second rounder. He's a real good football player, but he's not going to time well in the 40. He's not going to test all that well. I don't think he's going to anyway. Uh, come uh, come uh, work combine workouts or pro day workouts. Uh, Chase Allen is a good potential number three tight end next level. Blocking is is his forte. He gets uh, after opponents and he just drives them off the line of scrimmage. He's really not much more than a short or intermediate range pass catching prospect. Brees Hall is everything that he's cracked up to be and everything we spoke about Brees Hall uh, over the summer. I right now have him graded as my number one back. As I said, he is a faster version of David Montgomery, now playing for the Chicago Bears, although the, he's been often injured this season. Outstanding ball carrier who compounded on the inside, turned the corner, beat the uh, defenders into the open field. Good pass catcher, solid blocker. I, I mean, really, the only disappointing player this year has been, I believe, Brock Purdy. And it should come as no surprise to anybody who listens to this podcast or has listened to it in the past 
Because as I said with Brock Purdy, while some scouts grade him as a day two pick, I think he is a sort of a freelancer, Sandlot type of quarterback who just does not project all that well to the next level. And moving on to an ACC matchup between two teams who really have struggled so far in conference play, Louisville and Boston College. They've gone to combine one and four in their five ACC games. But when that happens, someone has to win the game. And the performance of Eagles tight end Trey Barry could determine whether BC can spring an upset. In six games this year, 16 catches, 255 yards, and three touchdowns for the Jacksonville State transfer, who stands round 6-6, a big target for quarterback Dennis Grossell, who took over after Phil Jerkovich's injury. Now, Barry has been up and down with Grossell under center, at least five catches in two games, 14 or fewer yards in the other three games. And in this one, he's going to go up against Louisville safety Kendrick Duncan, another small school transfer, this time Duncan coming from Georgia Southern before the 2020 season, had some injury issues last year, has been able to stay on the field so far in 2021. Now, Duncan does have the size to handle Barry. He's not 6'6", but certainly for a safety, uh, you know, relatively speaking, he definitely has better size than most. Neither of these guys is an elite athlete, though. But if Duncan can hold Barry in check, definitely would go a long way towards Louisville, picking up its second ACC win. How do you see this one going, Tony? Yeah, you know, we, we talked about Malcolm Rodriguez being a safety-sized linebacker. Kendrick Duncan is almost a linebacker-sized safety. I mean, he tips the scales between 220, 215 pounds. And Duncan was a guy who I really uh, who took notice of two years ago when he, was, when, when he was at Georgia Southern. They had a loaded secondary. They had three guys in that secondary who were either draftable or high-priority free agents. One, uh, one of the players was eventually selected, I believe, the fifth round. Yet it was Kendrick Duncan who was constantly making plays on the football. Moved over to Louisville. He's had a solid year. Really not hasn't, hasn't stood out. Uh, there will be questions as to whether or not he's a true free safety. I think he's one of those guys that is a terrific football player. He's got terrific range. He's just not going to test all that well uh, when it comes to combine or pro day workouts. not going to run super fast, but he's a real good football player. Whether he's a strong safety, whether he's a zone-type safety, he's going to play at the next level, and I think he's going to be a real good uh, player. You mentioned uh, you know, Trey Barry, how he's been a little bit up and down, and yeah, I, I've been a bit disappointed in him because, uh, like Kendrick Duncan, Trey Barry was someone who I noticed two years ago with the 2019 film. You couldn't help but not notice him when you watch Jacksonville State because when you're watching a small school like Jacksonville State, you're maybe watching one or two guys, and when you see this monster tight end, uh, stand out. I mean, you can't help but not notice him. Let me go back. It was actually 2018 because I believe 2019, Trey Barry played a game or two for Jacksonville State, then hurt his knee and he was out for the rest of the season. So it was 2018 when I first mentioned Barry. I would have hoped that the productivity would have raised, it would have really been elevated this year. That's not happened, whether that's due to the quarterback change at uh, Boston College due to the injury or, uh, or not, I, I don't know. I still have Barry graded as a fifth round choice, which is much higher than scouts uh, have him projected as. I think he's a guy who needs to fill out his frame, but he's a good pass catcher and will be a good number two tight end at the next level. Two more players to keep an eye on. We talked about Kendrick Duncan, the safety uh, at Louisville, the guy who lines up with him, Quinterio Cole, who's having a solid season. Quinterio Cole was a Good safety at uh, Alcorn State, transferred over to Louisville, like Duncan, has moved into the starting lineup, 
has got next level potential. I don't know that he's draft, draftable, but I think he'll be signed as a priority free agent. And Boston College has a real good receiver to keep an eye on, Zay Flowers, who I'm sure both Cole and Duncan will watch. He's a guy who is not the fastest guy in the world, but he runs good routes, separates with his route running ability, and basically catches everything that's thrown in his direction. The last, but certainly not least, on this week's show, 5-1 Ohio State travels to Indiana for a Saturday night showdown with the 2-4 Hoosiers. Now, all four of those losses for Indiana against teams currently ranked in the top 12. So it's been a tough go for them. Obviously, Ohio State, another top 12 team, fits that bill. So probably continues to be a tough go. But the reality here is we're not talking about this game because we think it's going to be particularly close. We're talking about it because Indiana does have some talent in its secondary. And while people may not know that, everybody knows about the Buckeyes receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, each having big seasons so far, despite the quarterback change from Justin Fields to CJ Stroud. Olave runs crisp routes and has home run speed, which is obviously always a dangerous combination, whether in the college ranks or at the NFL level. Garrett Wilson doesn't quite have the same speed that Olave has, but he's also great at separating and making plays downfield. He's not quite the blazer, obviously, Olave is, but he's better after the catch with the ball in his hands. The bottom line is both of these guys are first-round type prospects, even if they are different players. You don't have anybody like that in the Indiana secondary. However, you do have several guys who could end up drafted. Marcelino McCrary Ball plays the Husky spot in the Hoosiers defense, kind of like a hybrid safety linebacker, defensive back. Scouts like McCrary Ball a lot. Hasn't had a great season so far, but he's a talented player with really good range on the field. Safety Devin Matthews missed two games earlier this season after a nerve injury in the opener, but he's been his typical self since returning, flies around the field, hits hard. But throughout his career, he has also shown that he can play the ball as well. Raheem Lane is the safety opposite Matthews, also has some late round potential, as do corners Reese Taylor and Jalen Williams. So as I said earlier, no stars back there for Indiana, at least in terms of their NFL futures, but several guys who either get drafted or be in NFL camps next summer, really truly a solid college secondary, but going up against guys like Olave and Wilson, Tony, is it going to be enough to slow them down? You know, I don't know. I, I, I think the thing that slows uh, Olave and Wilson down the most is their quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who, in my opinion, is just not very good. He doesn't see the field well. He's not accurate. I mean, oftentimes, Garrett Wilson's got to leave his feet uh, to catch a wayward pass, and, and even then it goes over it goes over his head or it goes over his hands, I should say, because Wilson extends to make the difficult reception. So, so really, it's, it's a combination of, you know, can Indiana slow him down and can C.J. Stroud get him going in the right direction? Uh, because Stroud hasn't shown that yet. I think it's been a major drop in quarterback play at Ohio State. I blame the coaches at Ohio State as much as I blame the uh, as, as much as I blame CJ Stroud. All the talk is about uh, the Ohio State defense. I don't think the offense with Stroud has done all that well. But the fact is this: you know, Chris Olave probably could have been maybe a late first round pick, early second round choice if he entered last year's draft. Went back because he said he, he thought he could be a top 10 pick if he entered, uh, if he went back and had another big senior season. I don't know that he's going to be a top 10 pick. I do think he's going to be a top 20 pick. I do grade him as the top senior receiver, top receiver overall on my board. And he's closely followed by Garrett Wilson, who is not as fast, but he's stouter at the point. He's a guy who can get up in a crowd and come away with the reception. Alave can do that as well, but Alave just doesn't have the same body type. 
as Garrett Wilson. Uh, both of these guys are real good receivers. Both of them I have first round grades on right now. You know, but as you mentioned, you know, that Indiana as secondary has guys that are going to be late round picks, if not priority free agents. But I think will not only be in camp, but will make NFL rosters as uh, either not eighth or ninth defensive backs and special teams player. Devin Matthews, when he's played this year, has been really, really good. Uh, Raheem Lane, the other safety, has had his moments. You mentioned McCrary Ball, another sort of linebacker size safety. Taylor Reese has been okay. Uh, Taiwan Mullen, I think people have been a little bit disappointed because they expected a breakout year. But when Mullen hasn't played well, Noah Pierre has come in and played well. He had a real good game last week. You know, you mentioned Indiana's record, except for that Iowa game, which was the first contest of the year. They've basically been in every other game this year, and they've played very, very well, even though I think there's a little bit of disappointment in their overall record this year because a lot of people, including myself, were expecting big things from Indiana. Yeah, I mean, you look at what happened with the injury to Michael Penix, and again, they've just played really good competition. Not that coming into the season, there wasn't an expectation that maybe they could take one of those games. Maybe they could compete with these types of teams. Obviously, it hasn't worked out for them, but even still, I mean, you know, as you said, C.J. Stroud, pretty inconsistent, misses a lot of throws. Um, You know, obviously a huge step down from what Justin Fields was able to provide for them over the past few years. And the reality is Olave and Wilson are still producing because they're just those kinds of players. Um, You know, they're really making CJ Stroud into a productive quarterback right now, more than, as you said, Stroud is doing it himself because certainly not the same level of player, but you know, it'd be interesting to see if those Indiana defensive backs can kind of take advantage of the fact that, uh, that Stroud has certainly had his struggles. He's airmailed some passes. He's not necessarily the most accurate guy. So as good as Olave and Wilson are, if the quarterback's not throwing the ball to them, well, there's a good chance he's throwing them to the defense. And that's something that could, you know, maybe keep this game close for a little bit of time. Um, you know, interesting to see if that's something that's possible, but you know, certainly wouldn't put it past some of the guys in the secondary from stepping up their games a little bit. I mean, I think part of the problem with Stroud is the coaches don't let him play. And what I mean by that is if you watch uh, the Ohio state game, Stroud is constantly looking to the sidelines, waiting for instructions as the, as the play clock winds down five, four, three, two, one. And it's almost like he's instructed to throw to a, to a specific receiver and he misses uh, Olave down the flanks wide open. So I, I don't think the coaches are doing uh, Chris, uh, CJ Stroud, any favors. And like I said, people talk about the Ohio state defense, or at least the talk in, in Columbus is about the Ohio state defense. Uh, they, I think the offense and the offensive coaching primarily has been disappointing this uh, season. I also think uh, Indiana has got a bit of a quarterback problem. You might, you talked about Mike uh, Penix being injured. Penix is not a good passer. I mean, uh, a lot of his wayward throws, I, I think he's not shown any development as a passer this year. Last year, he was electrifying. He was dynamic. You probably remember that win against Penn State. He's not been able to forget about improve on it. Really hasn't been able to duplicate that. Uh, even Troy Freifogel, uh, who was everyone's favorite, is, is having his problems holding on the passes. I don't think he's having uh, the year that a lot of people expected. So, a bit of disappointment from both Ohio State and Indiana, but they do have some good next-level prospects that will impact the draft in the early rounds, uh, in the first round, in the later rounds, and even after after the event's over as priority free agents. And that's it for the 208th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, 
Please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.